podcast, Greater Than Yourself, Season 3. Do you have an idea for an episode or question for John and Fred? Email us at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com or contact us on Instagram at podcast underscore greater underscore than underscore yourself or doctor underscore silkworth. All right. Welcome back to Podcast Greater Than Yourself. My name is John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And with us this week, we have a returning guest, our good friend, Ted of some note. Hello. (laughs) Is that that a good alternate introduction? (laughs) Ted of some note. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. I just feel like, I just feel like you can cut the tension in this room with a knife now that John lives in Texas and Ted is just, you know, I mean, I I know we're not getting into it, but I'm just saying. Well, I'm in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is that because there's currently a crisis where I am? So you're in Mexico. (laughs) My kids wanted to go. (laughs) All right. Oh yeah. I mean, you. Why not? You spend most of the year on cruise control anyway. Um, I'm working hard. (laughs) So. This week's topic is taking others through the steps is not optional. And the reason that uh, I I think we wanted to ask you to join us for this is um, because so I was going to make a joke at your expense. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know what is funny is that um, I don't know if Ted, I don't know if John's ever shared this with you, but we've had. I don't know. Would you say it's like at least three, if not more people reach out and be like, was that actually Ted Cruz? <laughs> like on your podcast? So stupid. Yes. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, the be- I think the best one was, well, so first off, I don't know if I've told you this. I may have your episode um, on what was step 11, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did ep- 10. You did 11. 10? No, no, no. I'm talking about like the first, the OG. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that wasn't you doing 10. That was some jobber oh, right. named Joe doing 10. Um, right, right. But your first interview with us is still our most downloaded episode ever. So I thought, so I already let this get to my head one time when I heard... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I already did a whole dance with this. Um, they don't know what if the episode's good or not until after they've listened to it. So it is entirely a game of the title and the subject matter, right? So it's like, no, but, and that, one, that one's the first one too, but don't, don't let this get to my head. Could be that people I'd are sharing it. it with their friends. Right. And then after that, they're like, they listen to episode two and they're like, well, that wasn't as good as episode one. So then they just, they don't keep going. They send it around to hate, listen to it the way John and I hate, listen to some podcasts when we were driving to Texas, just like, listen to this shit. This is the worst. I don't know how you guys do that. I can't. It makes me so mad that I, yeah, it, I have no space for it anymore. It's, there's no way to live. It's pretty bad. Yeah. It's pretty he bad. used to send them to me, and I just like I can't. I, I literally get five minutes in, and I want to throw the the phone out the window. <laughs> yeah, 
No, that's true. And more, think about it this way, Fred. More people have listened to my episode of this podcast and wanted to kill themselves than any other podcast you two have ever done. <laughs> so the Wait, best... were you listening to that? Were you listening to those podcasts? Were you hate listening to those podcasts in between your Post Malone um, playlists? <laughs> Uh, did he did he tell you about the post malone thing or you just remembered that or what are you just guessing because you, you can you can just look at ted and tell what what kind of music he listens to this guy's into post malone and really like mid-era taylor swift you, you know how you know post malone is good is that my mother and i will listen to it together in our backyard uh while doing work around the house my mom loves posty yeah uh, that that same logic holds up with steve harvey's comedy <laughs> <laughs> so the best the best uh message or hate review or whatever that we got about that uh episode was um how dare you use his name to promote your podcast or whatever right <laughs> like I thought somebody said my favorite one was uh, those guys know a little bit about recovery. <laughs> That's the same guy who changed his to the one about um, Fred's mom is upstairs making snacks or whatever. We're in the basement. Yeah. And that's true. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if, if we were like, hey, you know what? I got a great idea. Let's come up with a name that we can attach to our first episode <laughs> that will like bolster the episode out into the into the webosphere and people will be like, whoa, look at that. And we didn't pick Dak Shepard I know. or yeah. like, Russell Brand or, like or anything. Russell Brand or whatever, Holly you Whitaker. know, whoever, anybody, right? right. We picked fucking Senator Ted Cruz thinking that was going to somehow rocket us to the moon. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So, like, uh, how, you know, we're like having a synergistic thought farming session, <laughs> um, and uh, we're like, okay, so how do we go viral in the sobriety realm? Let's involve really divisive politics for no reason, and not even address the person whose name we're using at all through nope. the whole episode. Let's just use and we have to name. make sure we. We have to make sure when, whenever we post anything, we hashtag sober is sexy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sober is sexy. Hashtag Cancun. Hashtag visit Cancun. <laughs> so this is all to say uh, that's, you know, that's what happens when you let their, your guests pick their own fake name. So for anyone mm -hmm. wondering, for the, for the three people wondering... And We've all been on the podcast, so they know that we let them pick their own <laughs> <Exactly>. name. <laughs> all of our listeners have been guests on the show. Thank you. All, thank you all very much. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's why taking others through the steps is not optional, right? <laughs> to be fair, are we done? to be fair, I wasn't sure Good. what the fuck we would talk about. I was like, okay, that's the whole, that's the, the sentence. It's not optional, period. All right, we're fucking done, so... <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was yeah. like, "This is gonna be a short episode." <laughs> well, that's why when you when you uh, logged on and you were like, "There's no way we're getting done in an hour and a half." I'm like, "I don't know. I'm pretty sure all three of us could finish this in ninety seconds. Ninety seconds apiece. <laughs> Come on, do so, it. Just do it." Let's start on page one hundred two. 
turn now in your hymnals to <laughs> my lord, my way of light, the guiding That's the hand. same character. That's the same everything. character he does for the for the guy who who like like I always imagine the guy like at the Salvation Army is <laughs> like de- declining his sponsorship offer or whatever. It's like actually, I've decided to go with Na. I uh, found a gentleman who has uh, thirty years clean. Uh, but Robbie, you're just an alcoholic. Uh, well, yes, but um, he is a Christian, and uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Well, they cool. go a little deeper, too. Yeah, great. Right. They, you know, they go slower. They go a little deeper. Okay, great. Perfect. So, so your name, <laughs> so your name's Robbie. You've gone deep. You've gone through the steps, right? You're living in step 10, 11, and 12. You've had the experience of the first nine steps. Bottom of 102, your job now is to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere, including the Salvation Army, if you can be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on Earth, Salvation Army, um, <laughs> on such an errand. True. Keep on the firing line of life with these motives, and God will keep you unharmed. Um, I don't really feel like that's maybe the most direct, you need to go take other people through the 12 steps. Um, sentence that I could go to in the book. There's a few others that come to mind, but that one to me is is um, almost equally as clear cut because the whole thing is, um, and we've talked about this this kind of concept before, where it's like, okay, I'm going to take a quote of the book and I'm going to just apply it totally out of context to something that it isn't. Like mm-hmm. whether it's the thing in uh, the doctor's opinion where it's like men and women drink essentially because it's like, well, is he talking about everyone or is he talking about alcoholics? And it's like, well, he was asked to write about alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And immediately after that sentence, he says, uh, these alcoholic men and women, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's like, okay, let's just keep it very basic. Let's keep it to the context of what we're talking about. So what we're talking about here is working with others. It's a whole chapter about sponsorship. And so what it says is, again, presuming that I've been through the first nine steps, I've entered into the way of life outlined in 10 and 11, I'm entering into 12. What it says to me is that my job is to go physically, I think it, you, you could interpret everything in that paragraph as physically get off my ass, go, go somewhere and be to where I can go be of maximum service to the people around me. Right. So yeah, a lot of that is going to be the home occupation and affairs thing, but the entire program is designed to enable me to recover from alcoholism. So if now my job is to go be of use to be of maximum use to people around me. Right. And that's my job. Right. What we're talking about is go help other people recover from alcoholism. You know, by going through this work, I'm, I'm now, you hear this term all the time, uniquely qualified. You know, (laughs) I think page 89 puts it really well. It talks about like, I can help where other people cannot help. Right. Mm -hmm. So like really, really well-trained doctors, you know, who are not alcoholics, cannot help someone who's an alcoholic in this way. They can help in other ways, but someone who's not been through the 12 steps cannot take someone through the 12 steps. That's mm. just bottom line. Now your job is to go do that, right? So I feel like 
the reason that I, I wanted to talk about this topic specifically is because I do meet people who know the book, who have had the experience of the steps, um, who are active in the fellowship, active in service, certainly. Um, but who have a very laissez-faire, like, I'll let them come to me. Um, you know, some people are, are really prolific sponsors and some people aren't, um, you know, my, the, the, the way of life that they're living in the steps is really about a connection with God and maybe some inventory, but sponsorship is like, well, nobody's really asked me, you know, and it's like not what I see outlined in the book. And it's not what I see people whose, uh, recovery looks attractive to me doing, you know, it's not what I see those people doing. So I don't know if it was intentional or not the way that you two set up the episode, but I, in thinking about it, I thought it was sort of significant that the, the topic isn't sponsorship is not optional. It's taking others through the steps is not optional because right. I think that my experience has been, there's this conflation between um, sponsorship and just like being a buddy with somebody mm-hmm. right. like being their being their pal. And so the thing that struck me in trying to pick a quote and even the one you read and even other parts on this fucking page, which is awesome page, but it says, I noticed it says, if you are shaky, you had better work with another alcoholic. Mm -hmm. The emphasis is on it being work or Mm -hmm. effort. So it's like, there's, there's a distinction between even, uh, you can give a really broad definition of quote unquote sponsorship, um, but everything that you read in the book, the chapter working with others talks about how it's effortful it's intentional it is an action it is work mm-hmm. it's not just um you know keep on the firing line of life it's not just like dicking around and getting arby's after you go to a meeting <laughs> once a week right it's 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 a completely separate thing but and we're not ruling out arby's right no can we work steps at arby's they have the meats <laughs> <laughs> i'm more concerned with the potato products but yeah i, I got you now i just want a beef and cheddar yeah. But my point, I mean, I guess it's just that <laughs> the, the quote that you read, uh, it's not like, um, passive. It's not like, um, it's supposed to always be super easy or super comfortable. It's like, it's a, it's a task that's yeah. like an awesome one, but it's an active work thing. The firing just, line. <laughs> It's like how, yeah, how, and so, you know, uh, what we've been doing with this season is like, you know, I think we did like a whole 12 episodes of the first season where a lot of what we focused on was like, you know, you might be a meeting maker if, you know, (laughs) meeting makers funny. And then it's like, (laughs) but then you go back to like your home group and then, you know, big book gym you know, shares a bunch of stuff that like, you're also like, well, that doesn't sound like what the book says either though, you know? Right. Um, and I, and I think you talk about people conflating, you know, being your BFF with being your sponsor. Um, I think that that is quite pervasive, even in big book circles. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Or being like your taskmaster or being your spiritual guru, you know? Right. And we kind of talked about that last 
was that last episode. I think we talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think <laughs> right off the bat, uh, as with all these episodes, I'm going to just try to like piss off half the people listening right now. Great. And I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to say, you don't think the 10 minutes are of not... shitting on Ted Cruz did that? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm going to go for the other half. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say, if you are not actively seeking out and working with sponsees, you actually haven't completed the steps. Boom. You aren't even re- you aren't even recovered by the Agreed. definition of the twelve steps. You are not even recovered. And I'm going to get out the analogy book, and uh, this is one I've been thinking about a lot lately. You know, if AA worked the way I think it was meant to work, um, we would have a room where a bunch of people like us would be there. And then you'd have a bunch of people who were a lot newer than us. And they would come and they would be like bringing their quote unquote problems. I don't think that means like bringing their problems with their wives. I think they would do that one on one. I think what they would be bringing their problems on is they would be like, okay, guys, I've got five sponsees. I can't seem to get anybody past three. Anybody have any experience with how I can move these guys a little more forward, whatever. And this, I equate this to, you know, I love the baking analogy because the recipe just works so clearly to me. Right. To me, this is what I think of. Like, if you go to one through nine, or you could even maybe say one through 11, it's basically like you've done everything up to the point of actually putting the cookies in the oven. Mm -hmm. Word. And what you're going to do is like, imagine if there was a group who got together every week and talked about baking. Right. If you showed up with your baking sheet of cookies and it was a fucking disgusting mess because it had been sitting out on the counter for a week and never made it into the oven for the actual kind of thing to happen, the, the, the chemical reaction to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, we would quickly go, Oh, I see the problem. (laughs) You for, you just never put it in the oven. Yes. And and the problem is, is people are showing up at Alcoholics Anonymous meetings with their tray of non-baked cookies asking what's wrong. And we're going, well, did you try more meetings? Mm-hmm. Have you called your sponsor every day? Have you, did, did you write a thorough and a fourth step? Nobody is saying, well, yeah, but did you? And so the, the line that I found that I, I mean, there's the thing is, is you could do a God's pick reading <laughs> yeah. with this one. You could literally flip to any page in the book right. and it's probably going to say something. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. Mm -hmm. Vital, necessary for life. For this thing to take shape, for this thing to become alive, it must be followed, right, by this unselfish constructive action. And we can glean by the book that what they're saying over and over and over again is, yeah, of course we have to do this at our homes, we have to do it with our friends, we have to do it at work. But at the end of the day, the place where we can do this and where we must do this the most is with other alcoholics because that's the experience we have. You know, John, you mentioned like something like you said, um, you know, the uniquely qualified piece about taking someone through the steps. And but the more thing that makes us qualified is the fact that we're real alcoholics. Right. We can get to them. We can get them to hear us when that doctor, that psychiatrist, that therapist can't. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, It just, to me, is like the bottom line is, is that not only are you not, it, not only can you not do this thing without it, but it, I'm going to say you aren't doing it. Yeah. So you said one thing, though, that I want to make sure to emphasize. You said either if you're not sponsoring or 
And this is the bid or attempting to sponsor. Because if you're new, you hear, I hear that, what Fred said, and I think, oh, well, fuck, I'm fucked because I'm not currently sponsoring anybody. But that's not what you said. You right. said, if you're not attempting to sponsor, so to everybody listening who's doesn't, has, who doesn't have any sponsees, who's struggling, because that took me so fucked. John can attest to this. It took me an ungodly amount of time to, to find a, a, a sponsee or people, you know, to, to do something like that. Right. It was just not something that was comfortable for me. And we, I'd have 10 steps about that where it's just like, Oh, I'm not fucking sponsoring anybody. Um, I'm never going to recover from alcoholism. And I'm currently in that moment had no desire to drink and had this thing removed from me, but I had this chip on my shoulder because I'm not sponsoring anybody, but that's not what you said. And that's not how this thing works. It's about effort. It's about making the approaches, Mm -hmm. right? And the, the other, the thing I loved about your baking analogy is it's like, if I went to that meeting with my tray of, cookies or whatever and and got everybody's telling me what to do they'd be like it sounds like you've just been talking about baking these things a lot and then every day it seems like you've been spending 20 minutes of your day thinking about whether or not you should bake them right like it's it's like you just have you just been um like basically just jerking off uh, like that's basically like when, when, I, when I say that because it's like you're only thinking about yourself and you're only talking about this thing and you're not taking any actions and so after a while that becomes just like circle jerky or you know it's yeah. just like no so, action involved. Ted, this is like it's like as if you were like, hey, at nine a.m. I'm going to show up at this at this place and there's going to be fifteen twenty of us and we're all going to talk about for about an hour we're going to get together we're just going to talk about like our baking experience for the last week. Then after that, um, like five of us are going to break off. We're going to go get coffee for a while, you know, and then I'm going to we're going to talk we're going to continue to talk about but more in like a social way. And then at noon, I'm going to meet somebody from that same group for lunch and we're just going to talk about it for a while. And then at eight <laughs> o'clock that night, I'm going to go again to a place where we're going to talk about it. I mean, like it sounds ridiculous, right? This is like the jaywalker. It sounds ridiculous, but it is mm-hmm. alcohol. That is alcoholics anonymous today. I just described like a lot of people's day around alcoholics anonymous. Right. You forgot the part where in the evening meeting, you talk about all the talking about baking that you've done today <laughs> and how it doesn't matter that you've been baking for 25 years. You still talk about baking five, six times a day. <laughs> Because Not only that, that, but you have no greater experience than the guy who's day one baking, even though but, you've been here 25 years. But baking fucking sucks. And every day that I bake is a struggle. <laughs> I hate but it. I, I bake one, <laughs> one cookie at a time, nonetheless. <laughs> so imagine... Um, you know, imagine... I don't, I don't want to say a specific illness, but imagine any other chronic fatal illness right whatever mm-hmm. it is everybody goes to cancer and i'm not picking on cancer today i don't want to go to cancer. <laughs> i feel like it's the fucking thing you hear all the time <clears throat> you could you could say any kind of heart disease whatever it is but imagine let's even say like okay cool i go to a support group because i have you know this this disease that these other people have and we go and we talk about life having this illness right um, but most of us don't follow the regimen that our doctor prescribed for us. You know, some of us take the medicines, some of us change our diet, some of us exercise, some of us do none of that shit, but all of us come and talk about it. You know what I mean? Um, right. so for me, what's like in my thinking, what's the actual problem here? 
you know, and I think it can be found in something Ted and I discussed this week and also something our friend, I discussed with our friend D this week, um, that's in chapter seven as well, which is the concept of qualifying a newcomer, which should be my very first job when I come in direct contact with someone. So not the first thing that I do for step 12 for my step 12. I think the first thing that I do for my step 12, we've just covered perfectly, which is I actively go seek people to be of use to, right? Mm -hmm. So once I've come in contact with somebody, what is my job? My job is to determine whether or not they are a real alcoholic. And the book clearly says, if you are satisfied that they're a real alcoholic, then proceed, right? It also talks about does this guy want to stop? Does he, does he want to be, be done for good? Right. So to me, what's kind of been on my mind lately with a lot of these. So kind of a digression real quick. Short answer. How many guys have you guys sponsored? And you guys have sponsored quite a few people and I'll, I'll participate too in this. <laughs> I'll answer. How many have you sponsored who have never sponsored anyone but are recovered today? Okay. Yeah. None, Zero. none for me also. Um, and we're not in the results business, but the proof's kind of in the pudding with that. If you've got one giant thing that ties all of these people together who just disappear and it right. happens to be this thing that the book talks about from fucking chapter one until the end of the book being your being your fucking job as a recovered alcoholic from the preface and the forward not even from <laughs> yes, chapter one exactly. <laughs> so so if that one thing is missing in all the the programs of those people who go away you know um if that's the one thing that they fight and that they don't do um maybe that's saying something and so to me the importance of a step one qualification is if I get to step 12, really any step, but if I get to step 12 and I'm like, okay, now all, all of this, all of this discussion obviously is predicated on, on the basis of someone competent and recovered showing you the book, like showing you through the book. So I'm not talking about like, you know, you went through treatment and you got a few worksheets and a counselor talked to you for a couple hours a day and Hey, you should know how to do this. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about you come, you meet someone who knows the book, a recovered person, they take you through the work, you get to step 12 and you're like finding whatever reason it is to not do it. Right. You're not sponsoring people. You're not seeking people out. To me, that's a step one problem. That's a, yeah. I either don't believe that I'm a real alcoholic or I just merely intellectually believe I'm a real alcoholic or I don't want to be done for good, you know, where it's like that first hat, that first job as a sponsor. And what we were, this is what we were talking about earlier this week is it's kind of twofold where it's like, yeah, you know, cause how many times have you sat down with a guy who's like, Oh, for sure, man, I can't, I can't even think of how many times I've had the phenomenon of craving. What you're talking about is exactly me. Every time I drink, 
and, and like, oh, for sure, man, I, I've made up my mind to stop for good and, 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 you know, hundreds of times and I can't, you know, and he'll like list a few times. Right. And then it's like, okay, cool. Moving on to step two, you know, cause that's kind of like what I do. Right. But then when I'm thinking right. about it, what chapter seven is talking about, it goes into this thing of like, cool, but like, does this guy really, does he get that? You know, cause in chapter seven, what they talk about is like waiting until this dude is convinced, you know? Yeah. Right. Because the people in the book were fucking convinced. We just talked about it at the Wednesday meeting the other day. Heap heaps of evidence, right? They give heaps. Fred heaps of evidence. They don't just go after he'd already said. Exactly. After he'd already said that he was good, he was like, "No, I'm definitely." And they said, "Are you an alcoholic?" He's like, "Yeah." Then they pile on heaps of evidence. Exactly. So they're still doing a step one qualification, right? Before they talk about the program of action, and they don't enter into the program of action until everyone involved in the picture is convinced that this guy is a real alcoholic and that he wants to be done, you know? So I feel like when it talks in chapter seven about like, you know, don't rush someone through the steps. I don't think that that's talking about don't do the steps rapidly. I really think that's a qualification thing of like, cause I can't tell you how many times I've sat across from someone who later just flaked out and didn't do the step work who, I was convinced was a real alcoholic, but only felt like they kind of intellectually, yeah, I get it, you know? Mm. And and it's not the same thing as when you talk to someone who's been diagnosed by a medical professional with a fatal illness. It's not the same thing. So it's like, I guess what I'm getting at is like, if I don't think that I have a fatal illness, of course I'm not going to fucking go turn my life into helping other people overcome right. that. Right. Yep. It, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like, Oh, I'm sure I don't have a fatal illness though. It, what it is, it's a subconscious thinking. I, at least I think subconsciously thinking that I don't need any help that I can handle it on my own. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you say, I think what you're saying, when you say it hasn't had a first step experience, it's that they're, they think at least at a subconscious level that they don't have to do the rest of the stuff and that they will still stay sober. And the only way that I could possibly think that I will still stay sober without doing all of the steps in the recipe is if I don't believe that, uh, I need God. Right. Right. So it's not, it's not like they're sitting in their own head and be like, Oh no, I'm not a fuck. You know, I don't need to do this. It's just that implicit in their actions is they must not really think that they're completely powerless. Yeah. And that's, that's why I think, the the flippancy with which we throw around the word powerless in the fellowship mm. is a fucking grave disservice. I am powerless over chocolate, though. <laughs> I just right. am. No, of course. That's my alcoholism, though. You know what yep. can I say? <laughs> it's like we were in a meeting the other day and like everybody was like kind of I forget what the topic was, but it was just like, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Those, oh, people act that way or whatever. And then somebody like that I'd never seen like piped up, it was in a zoom. Somebody just piped up and they were like, they were like, yeah, that's just them alcoholics. And like the whole room would just went quiet. Cause it's like, and I was just like, uh-huh. Yep. Who I can always count him? on John though. To, <laughs> I can always count on John to break that silence. <laughs> So anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I want to go back to, um, I mean, you, what you just said was incredible. I mean, you said so many incredible things. I made a couple notes cause I want to make sure I, me too. 
so the disease, I love the disease analogy. That's awesome. It's one of my favorites. And the thing you, I loved is you, you were like, yeah, some of the people are doing this. Some of the people are doing this and then they all get together. And the key is, is that everyone has an equal voice, mm-hmm. right? It's like, Hey, I'm not taking the medicine, but right. my words count here just as much as the guy who is right. right. And you can't tell me that they don't because I have the thing I say I do. Right. Um, and so, and I'm here, so I get to speak in whatever way I want and influence people in however I want, even though I have absolutely no credibility whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I like that this conversation has kind of devolved from just not only just about whether or not sponsor what sponsorship is or whatever, but like the talk about seeking, you know, one of my favorite lines to new people, I said this to somebody Thursday who I'll tell you what they said after, but, um, I was saying, you know, God rewards effort. They were worried. They were saying, you know, I don't have any sponsees. I'm going to this place to try to find a sponsee. And I go, it's okay. God rewards effort. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. That's all that matters. Like just keep going mm-hmm. with the idea that you're going to find a sponsee and make the approach. And I said, and I know someone who's looking for people to show up at this place and I know you'll get a sponsee. And the reaction was, well, but I meet with my sponsor that night. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> um, and then what you said oh, about you like mean this all the- Tuesday. <laughs> I can't do it this week. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm going to go cry in my car now. See ya. I <laughs> um, want your sponsor to be mad that you're ditching your sponsor to like go you, try to pick up new guys. You could just say like, That's Hey, so I'm going to go to this place instead. <laughs> God. We bust me on Tuesday. Um, At RVs. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the other thing you said was about the people who we've sponsored that haven't continued to sponsor, right? Mm-hmm. Thing is that I have I actively have people that I work with who don't do 11. Right. But they do offer sponsorship. Now I'm not saying that they're getting the full extent of the program. Right. But in the book it does mention it says when all other methods fail, right? Work with another alcoholic will save the day. Mm-hmm. And I've always taken that to mean like that Bill tried a bunch of other shit. Yeah. Right. Because he's talking about during this period of time, he was depressed and it didn't always, things weren't going his way. This was like really pre AA even. And, um, and he, he mentions that. And so, like, I, I'm not up here saying you shouldn't work all the steps. I'm not suggesting you should be a two stepper, um, which, if you don't know what that means, it means people who just are one and 12. So it's like, I'm an alcoholic, so I'm going to go help other people. I've lived, listen, I've lived that for a little while. You know, I've done that at different periods of my life where like, 11 just went out the window for a period of time Mm -hmm. and I wasn't really calling anybody about 10 and I wasn't really doing anything, but I was actively seeking and helping people. And I'm not saying it was the best period of my life, but I did stay sober, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and without the obsession to drink. And if you didn't drink today, Um, you're a winner. Right. Correct. (laughs) Um, I don't know if anyone's told you that. It's what is it? 1030 your time. If no one's told you this today, Mm-hmm. I well, used whoever, to, I used which one of us up. got up earliest? <laughs> yeah. I used. I got to, up I used one to, minute before this started, so I, <laughs> I'm the most sober. I know. I know you have. I know you have more to say, but I used to early in sobriety. I would go to this big book study to try to find people to sponsor, and it was a huge meeting with tons of like old timers. It ended up being, and somebody would always. Now, this is like a 7 a.m. meeting. Somebody would always, always 
in the middle of like the sobriety countdown or like right after that, they would go like, well, if you haven't had a drink today, give yourself and your higher power a hand. And like this whole room would applaud, erupt in applause. And I'd be sitting there like, it's fucking seven ten in the morning. Dude. <laughs> You're not a real alcoholic if you don't wake up and drink. That's the one requirement is that you have to drink immediately upon on awakening. And the alcohol has to be in a paper bag. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Plastic Those, bottle. So two qualifications, right? Yeah. Circular Changes Rehabilitation Center. Alumni testimonials. The place I was at before, they had a horse you could pet. I guess uh, Circular Changes could be look better if they had maybe a horse. They they have you pet the horse. Circular changes, because the journey is the destination. One thing that immediately came to my mind when you were talking there about the two-step thing and the 11 falling off is like, yeah, I'm sober. Um, Can I, with these people I'm sponsoring... As a person who's not practicing 10 or whatever. <laughs> Thank you. Can I, yeah. as a person who's right. sponsoring these people, like, let's let's go beyond, like, let's just, I mean, clearly I cannot hold these people to account for doing step 10 and 11 consistently. Right. Clearly. Let's go beyond that. Can I, as a person living an honest spiritual life, tell those sponsees that I am living proof that the happy, joyous, free, liberated soul that is described as a recovered alcoholic in the book is something that that I'm living in my life, you know? Mm. If I'm not experiencing the depth that comes from an active daily step 11. Right. You know? Yeah. If, if I'm not doing 10 and 11, then all I'm doing is giving them Ted, Ted advice. <laughs> that's, yeah. Right, that's true. And Wait, that I forgot is for a second your garbage. fake name was Ted, but yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, I'm like, that, that shit is trash. Nobody wants that. Uh, I took so many, I have so many things that I, to what Fred and John, what you said, but the one thing that I, well, several things, uh, <laughs> sponsorship, sponsorship is not, and when I say sponsorship, I mean taking others through the 12 steps, but right, right. It's, is necessary, but not sufficient. So what I mean is you have to do it. Right. I believe but if you do start just two-stepping and you're not doing the rest of them and you're not living in 10 and 11 and 12, that is not sufficient. Sponsorship is necessary, but not sufficient. Because if you're just doing that at a certain point, it is just me giving people advice right. mm-hmm. about what to do in their, with their kids. I don't even have any kids. And that's not, that's not a workable solution, right? So unless I am seeking and, and the way that I do that, the only way it's the way that it, it, the book explains, you can do it, right? The recipe is 10 and 11, right? Going to 10 and 11, um, with intention is a way of like getting in a feedback loop, getting more inspirations about what I should be doing, realizing what I didn't do very well yesterday with that sponsor, with realizing how I can improve. If I'm not getting filled right. back up with that. And part of that is, Wednesday night meeting, International Black Rhinos Big Book Study, right? Part of that is going to, because that meeting exists, and it's going to a meeting where there are people who are having this experience, and they do, part of that fills me back up 
with better ideas about how to proceed makes me feel good and like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And I take that energy to a sponsee. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not doing that, though, at a certain point, somebody's calling me while I'm watching RuPaul's Drag Race and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to fucking talk to this guy. And then I just hustle him off the phone um, because I have better shit to do. And then homie's just out there in the wind. He's got no... Nobody directed him back. Nobody directed that guy back to the steps. Nobody directed that guy back to the book. Just like, oh yeah, you'll figure it out. Right. Quick. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about is you mentioned D. Um, if it's who I think it is, uh, this person's English is not their first language, right? <laughs> Correct. Right. So I was talking to D the other day. And the reason I mentioned that is uh, fucking guy. Uh, English is not even his first language. And he said something to me that like was so profound in English that it fucking blew my mind. And I've been thinking about it for like two weeks. He was talking about the generosity of the program is what he calls it. And I'm sure other people, I'm sure he stole that from somebody, but I, I don't think I'd heard it that way. And his point is that this is a generous program. You do not need to do it exactly right. There's no form that you have to follow exactly mm-hmm. in order to recover the steps that outlined in the bid book are you know they say they're a suggestion there if you do the steps the way they're outlined in the first 164 pages of the bid book you will recover right but they're not but they're not an exclusive way right, right. there it's a it's a generous program if you get the gist of it that's why you can that's why there's a million ways to do a, a fourth and a fifth step theoretically that will work mm-hmm. right that's and that's why there's a million ways that you can do 11 and it will work Mm-hmm. Um, it's this incredible thing that, that, um, the way that when I say take people through the steps does not need to be the same way that Fred does. It does not need to be the same way that John does it. And we can still have this fellowship isn't just this incredible thing. Um, but I've had people recently who tell me some version of, I'm not ready to, mm approach people because I have not yet recovered from alcoholism mm-hmm. or I'm not ready right. because I don't have my shit together yet. Mm-hmm. And I can't train because there is that part where you obviously you can't transmit something you haven't got. And so if you take that really, I think too literally, you think, well, you know, I'm not recovered and I don't want to fuck somebody up or I'm not ready to do that. And it's this, another example of the counterintuitiveness of this program mm-hmm. where well, no shit, you haven't recovered. You're like you're not. No shit, you haven't recovered from alcoholism because you're not sponsoring anybody, right? Yeah. There is this. There is this period of time, and it, it's sort of scary. I get why it's scary. Where you're still sort of shaky. Um, you're not like on the most the most incredibly solid foundation, and you think, oh, well, I can't be approaching other people. But the thing is, if you know how to do all the things, if somebody has taken you through all the steps, then you can and you should approach people. And I think right. about dr bob's nightmare and they talk about dr bob says that for two fucking years he was he had cravings for alcohol mm-hmm. right but he's in those two years he's sponsoring hundreds and hundreds of people right. right and and bill went and approached bob because he was feeling shaky yeah. right he had six months sober and he was literally having cravings for alcohol mm-hmm. but he was able to approach bob who did recover and that's the reason that we're all sitting here right. so if it's almost like the step two stuff you're, you're sitting around waiting to understand god before you move on and it's mm. like well no if you do the rest of the work you will understand god it doesn't make the most sense at first but it's true the same thing with step 12 and reco- quote unquote recovering right you have to do it in order that you might get this thing you don't have to, you don't get the thing first and then you share it it's the process of 
if that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. It's like every time I hear someone say like, oh, well, John does that AA thing. Like I, I don't, uh, I can't do that. That's like a faith thing, right? And it's just like, I didn't have faith until I did the stuff any either. Right. Like it comes <laughs> as a product of the thing you're doing, you know? It feels backwards, but it's not. And that's why Fred's, I think, says get in the wheelbarrow, right? That's why we say you have to trust the process because right. it don't make sense, but it does work. Well, it's the idea that um, if, okay, if I'm in charge, then I can fuck it up. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. If I, so if I still believe that I'm in charge, then I, I of course I can fuck it up. But if right. I can see that I'm not in charge or at least start to believe that idea, then I can't, I can't mess it. It can't be wrong. Right. Right. Cause again, it would suggest that God is wrong. And that typically is if you, when you kind of go through four and five is, I mean, that's what you kind of discover, right? It's like that everything I've done up to this point was relying upon myself. Let me just give this other thing a, a shot. Right. And I think 12 is the, is the true, uh, it, after five, everything you do is an expression of a small trust in God. Mm-hmm. And 12 is the final piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. You know, it's the most, it's the most trust you have to put in God because you have to trust that God's not going to let this person get fucked by you. Right. Or your family, your home occupation and affairs. Right. That's not going to sink all those things. Right. When you uh, take Clay, your hands off of it and just let exactly. the thing work. Yeah, exactly. Clay in the sarcastic bid books, one of my favorite ones, there's so many good ones. One of my favorite ones is the version that says like, God probably got you this so far so that God could fucking abandon you <laughs> right now in this Kroger parking lot when you're right. fr- flipping out. No, it's, it's that I say this to sponsors all the time. It's like, yeah, I'm sure God like, took all this time to get you sober and like set you up with this incredible life just so he could watch you miserably alone, like with no person or job in your life. Like that's definitely, you know, it's like a sponsor loses a girl or a job and immediately it's like, I'm never going to have that again. And it's like, yeah, that's what God wants. Like God just wants you miserable on the side of the road. Yeah. So what comes to my mind is like, let's, let's phrase the subject or the topic or whatever of this episode slightly differently. Right. Um, taking others through the steps poorly is not <laughs> optional. It will happen. You will do right. it wrong. You know, you will think I fucked that up. You will read something a week after you went over a, f- a fourth step with someone where you're like, oh shit, that's not at all yeah. what, what the fourth step is about. That's not at mm. all you know, how I should have heard this guy's fifth step. That's not at all what the book says to do with amends, you know? Right. Um, you will absolutely show up to a fifth step thinking about something else. Yeah. You Texting. will fuck I it. Have, you do it I enough, have done that. Yeah. yeah. If you do it enough, it's going to happen. Yeah. My, yes. uh, my fifth step coming back in this time. Um, I haven't told many people about this for obvious reasons. Um, I, my, I remember feeling like horrified because my sponsor was like getting up and grabbing cold pizza out of the fridge. And then that's hilarious. Like, back down. He was like, wearing, I love like, that guy. Uh, wearing sweatpants. He, he kept like scratching his balls, like adjusting his junk. <laughs> I was like, who is this caveman hearing my fist? It's like a baby just running through the room. Yeah. yeah. And then he was like, uh, I remember him like checking his phone a couple times and stuff. And I was just like, are, I'm sorry. Are you, are you, 
are you too busy for my profoundly interesting <laughs> list of predictable nonsense? You know, but you're 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 gonna my my thinking from my experience doing this and from my knowledge of what the book says about it as well is that if you feel like you have flawlessly sponsored people you're probably not sponsoring people you're, you're probably not doing 11 yeah you're, right well you're you're probably just being somebody's buddy you know and you're like offering them support and advice and stuff because sponsorship is about being on the firing line it's about mm-hmm. putting yourself at risk spiritually emotionally whatever it is putting making yourself vulnerable to people who need your help because you are specifically qualified to help that kind of person and then taking them through this process and so like when you do that you do it soon you know it's like you come in Dude, if you're not sponsoring people within three months, someone has slowed you down or you are fucking around doing the steps at the pace that described in the book and getting into sponsorship at that same pace. You, you, you don't it. There's nothing in those directions that says like, okay, now really, really know what you're supposed to be doing before you go. <laughs> it, it, there's not, nothing that says anything like that. It's like, go, go help people. Go, go show them this. My, uh, I feel like I, I was given, I was very fortunate because when I was sponsored through the steps, I had a guy who sat across from me who the first time we sat down said, the goal of this is that you're going to go help people. Nice. Yeah. If you don't plan on doing that, we can just stop. Awesome. And it was at every single meeting. It was at everything was, was based around the context that you were going to go do this with someone else. Mm-hmm. It was never for me. It was always, you're just learning how to write a four step so you can show other people how to write it. Expect nothing from the fourth step. Only expect to receive from the fourth step when you start hearing people's fifth step. That's great. And then when it came time to sponsor, he gave me kind of some really great, and, and always talking about how like, you can't fuck it up. You're, you're going to yeah. feel scared, like really just putting it on the table. So I would know. And of course I did, you know, but then he said, when it was time to go, he said, um, okay, number one, you need them way more than they need you. Mm-hmm. You need these people. They don't need you. Right. Uh, that was important to hear. I guess he told me three things is number two is like, if you believe that you can like somehow screw up their lives, then you clearly miss something in the third step. Right. Because the whole idea of this always comes back to the idea that like, maybe they need to have shitty sponsorship and maybe you're, maybe you are. So we're in the world to play the role he assigns. Mm -hmm. Maybe for this week, your role is shitty sponsor who doesn't answer his phone. (laughs) I love it. We've all played that role (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Right now, if you're, if you're doing what Ted's talking about, that should come to you and maybe you can rectify it, but come on. We all, I mean, it happens. Like we yeah. get busy, we're on vacation, whatever shit happens, right? Especially as we get further along in sobriety and life just gets better and better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy to kind of check out for a day or two. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Um, and then uh, the final thing he told me was, and this goes back to something I love what Ted brought up right, right, right at the beginning, which was this idea that this is about being active in the work not about, you know, the number of sponsees. Now, he never, like, came out and said it in that way, but it was always implied. Mm-hmm. It was implied that if you aren't taking 
uh, if you if you don't have enough people going through the work that you can't remember their names, then you don't have enough sponsees. Mm-hmm. It was never implied like, oh, if you're not in, and and the reason he said it, he said because if you can count how many sponsees you have, you'll start trying to manage their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and so his point was, is that it's better to spread yourself super thin and just only have time to focus on what is written in the book Mm -hmm. than it is to start asking them about what their kids are up to. Right. And this is the thing that I think of when someone who I know is recovered and knows the book, knows the work and has a genuine desire to, to be helpful to other people says something like, yeah, I, d- I don't really have a whole lot of time and and I can't, you know, and they and they start talking about why why they're not sponsoring people and it's like firstly let me say that like when I have conversations with people like that, I'm not sitting in judgment of that person at all. I'm not I'm not sitting there like why aren't you sponsoring people? You know, like that's not the mm-hmm. point of the conversation. The point of the conversation is just like it almost always comes up when I'm like yeah. So, you know, what's, what's new with you? What's going on? And, and like, <laughs> they know that I'm not really like trying to talk about how Karen and accounting is doing or whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, we're, t- we're in an AA context talking about AA stuff. And then unfortunately I feel like it kind of goes in that direction where it's like, Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I need to start justifying, you know, why I'm not sponsoring people and what's going on with that and this and like, uh, one thing that I've heard several times is like, well, you know, I've done a lot of prayer and I felt guided to, you know, not seek out sponsees and stuff like that. And like, to me, it's like, okay, that's you. That's your prayer life. I uh, Like, I'm the last person who's going to be like, yeah, I don't think God told you that. so not my my business or my place to say that um but it is interesting and it is it goes back to what i was saying about like why this topic for this season because this is something that i hear big book people talk about i hear big book people say you know, God's got a lot on my plate right now and, you know, God's not going to give me more than I can handle. And, and mm-hmm. like, I feel like, and then it's like, well, yeah, but it kind of sounds like you're limiting what you're letting God give you, you know? Um, and I, and I totally understand feeling spread thin and feeling like I don't have enough time to squeeze everything in and stuff. And, and really in my experience, what that equates to is, um, I'm sitting around trying to figure out how to manage my life. <laughs> you know? mm. How do I figure out how to place all these things? And it's just like, oh yeah, um, I'm just supposed to pray for guidance and go show up in places where I can be useful. Like, okay, all right, right. I keep forgetting. I just, I'm just gonna go do that. Right. You know, Dawn in in season two. Um, said it, I think, really, really well when she was talking about sponsorship. And she basically said, and this has been my experience, and another, again, it's an example of something that don't make any fucking sense, but just happens to be true, is that if you say yes to an experience that somebody needs a sponsor, somebody needs help, if you say yes, doesn't matter how many there are, there will be enough time, right? right? right. 
time will will be made for you. Exactly. God will make the time, right? It doesn't matter if I don't know how the fuck it's going to happen. Yep. Or like I've, I've signed up before. I, I can't tell you how many fucking times I've agreed to meet. So somebody will text me and be like, can you meet tonight on Zoom? And I'll say yes. And then immediately afterwards, I'll be like, fuck, <laughs> fuck. I do not have, why the fuck did I do that? I did not have time to do that because I have to stay. After I meet with that fucker, I'm going to have to stay up late working. Uh, I'm going to be up till three in the fucking morning. And you know what usually happens is, <laughs> usually what they happens bail. is, I, no, well, other than them bailing, uh, if they show up, I swear to you, what usually happens is that immediately afterwards, I'll be like, you know what? I don't need to do all that shit tonight, right? Mm-hmm. That's unimportant shit. I'm going to go to bed. And then I go to bed and I wake up the next morning and I get a little panicky like, oh, fuck, I didn't do that last night. And then you know what? Nothing bad happens, right? <laughs> it's like made enough time. So fucking weird. Yeah, it's awesome. And that that really goes back to like, uh, do I have any fucking clue how to remove the uh, desire to drink from my own brain. Fuck mm-hmm. no, dude. Right. 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 No, you know, and I can, and I can see as a recovered person that that was just lifted from me. And how was that lifted from me? Well, the only thing that I can tell you for sure is I followed all the directions in the book and turned my thoughts to asking God for guidance and to actively seeking out people I can help. And that shit was removed. You know, so and you like, trusted that it would work. Yeah, and then you just it'll it'll fucking work if I do it. But then now it's like, well, I can't fucking sponsor the guy. I I got too much shit going on, and I got a kid, and I got a job, and how am I got? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. What like when when did you get confused that it was your role to start fucking figuring out your life, dude? You right. Know? So that translates pretty well to, I wasn't sure if we were going to do a reading or not because you guys didn't give me uh, any guidance whatsoever, but I just intuitively knew how to handle the situation. Uh, <laughs> so before we got on, I was like, oh, okay. Actually this morning, I shit you not, when I was doing 11, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to have to have a reading that they're definitely going to make me do a reading. And I was like, I'll just pick a spot in a vision for you. Well, so um, on page 163, really you could do a bunch of these, but so the point that I kept thinking about that I think is true for some people was certainly true for me is I am uncomfortable. I, Ted personal, am uncomfortable with the prospect of sponsoring other people, right? I don't want to be vulnerable in that way. I do not want to approach people. I do not want to be rejected. I do not want to not be liked. So the idea of years ago, uh, multiple years ago, uh, <laughs> um, of doing that, uh, doing that, um, scared the piss out of me. And that is an example of the power of, of God on this program, because, I fucking suit up and do it. Like if I'm not in a good spiritual condition, if I'm not living in 10, 11, um, I will be scared. I will. And I've had conversations with my sponsor before where I'm like, I'm scared of talking to a sponsee because I'm worried, you know, right. And that's not something that I'm like super proud of, but it's just, that's just how, that's just my experience. And the reason I mention all of that is when I read parts of the book and particularly a vision for you, it is so, my my natural resting state is I used to go up to dudes and I'd be like I I wouldn't say um, do you do you want to sponsor people or I'm sorry I wouldn't say do you need a sponsor have you worked the twelve steps yada yada I'd be like oh you want to hang out sometime 
right? Oh, maybe you need, because, because I'm uncomfortable, right? And I'm trying to find the easier, softer way in, in this program is mm-hmm. sponsorship that doesn't include step work. And the reason right. for me that that's true is because implicit in me talking about the steps is the understanding that what you're doing isn't working. Right, I don't, you're going to take this as a criticism. Right, you're you're going to take this as oh, your program is insufficient, guy with 30 days, or oh, your plan for a program for happiness for yourself isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make that person uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so, when I read this book, and they make clear in a million different ways, directly and implicitly, that that this is um, about the steps, about the work. So I'll just read, I'll read this. It's on 163, it says, we know what you're thinking. You're saying to yourself, I'm jittery and alone. I couldn't do that. And they're talking about creating a fellowship, about mm-hmm. um, having this capital F fellowship in your life. I'm jittery and alone. I couldn't do that. But you can't. You forget that you have now, you've just now tapped a source of power much greater than yourself. To duplicate with such backing what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. When I read that, it's so clear to me that they're not saying that what I should be doing is offering um, a buddy system for a guy (laughs) or texting him at night right before I go to bed. Like, I hope you had a great day, pal. Right. Um, It's not going to be fucking easy for me. It is. I'm, you know, if I'm, if, if they're worried that reading this chapter, you're scared that you're not going to be able to do it without God they expect that it will be work, that it will be an action, that it will be hard. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm patting myself on the back at the end of the day, because what I did to carry the message was I just raised my hand in the meeting when they asked if anybody needs a sponsor or if anybody offers sponsorship, that's not what we're talking about. What what the book says is necessary to develop this fellowship to spread and, and implicit in the fellowship thing is that other people will recover, that you will have people in your life who are having this profound experience is that it's going to be, it's going to take some fucking God. It's not going to be this easy passive thing that I do. And I think they make it clear in so many ways that that's what we're doing. And it's so beyond obvious to me that I can't do that by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I just won't be able to. Um, I forget that I have just now tapped a source of power much greater than myself from time to time. Um, but it's that power that will be necessary to create this fellowship that we now have, I think, in in Zoom land and in our lives. Right. You you made me think of um, Ted. You made me think of, uh, you know, when every single person that I am, that I would consider in my capital F fellowship, because as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, we we're talking about this idea of effort and everything else. Like, uh, I know for a fact that John does a tremendous amount of outreach to treatment centers. That is effort. It, mm-hmm. You know, he said he go, he reaches out to the treatment center. He seems that they find, if they need, if they're interested in having people come with him, then he um, finds people to go, you know, and what happens when he finds somebody who he may not know that well, but now they say, yeah, I'm down. I want to go check out that treatment center guess what? They just got added to his capital F fellowship. Uh And the people I have that I'm closest to um, are people who I've added to my fellowship through almost that kind of processes. Like, you know, I go to a meeting. Yeah. I'm there to offer sponsorship and I'm talking to the guy who I know has 18 months. And, um, and he says, uh, 
you know, like that he's looking for sponsees and I'm like, Oh, well I go to this place and we need, we always need people to come in because mm-hmm. there's way more of them than there is of us. Do you want to come now when that guy shows up more than once and puts in the effort, boom, guess what? Added to the fellowship. Right. You know what I mean? And, um, and so it's like, I'm not, again, there's so many, Ted, you were talking about like how the program is so giving and all this stuff. It's like, it's not just the act of sitting down in front of another person and, and doing the active step work, you know, it all, it, it, it's this amalgamation of all these different things that we do of growing this relationship with God of just constantly looking to be like, how can I get this message out to more and more and more people, you know? And that might actually mean that Ted gets a sponsee because of it, not necessarily me, but right. I was active in the act of getting it there. I was constantly thinking about it. I'm taking direction from from God in the morning. I'm, I'm looking back at that direction in the evening and kind of lining it up and making sure that, you know, it was actually from God and it wasn't that. I love that. <laughs> No, I don't need you sponsoring anybody right now. (laughs) (laughs) FY, let's just put this out there. Like, that's never coming from God. (laughs) God never has never said that. (laughs) But I just love that idea. You're dying. (laughs) AA is doing really well. So you're good. (laughs) The success rates are through the roof. So you actually don't need to show. Yeah. That's awesome. You know what I I've think heard of? you both say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go for it. Well, I was going to say I've heard you both say very recently, actually, that although, and I, this has been true for me too, go to places where there are people who talk about the generosity of the program who who don't do things precisely the way that I would do them, but are who who are still going and carrying the message, who are still making the effort to show up at those meetings, even though they're they're maybe not doing. 100% of things the exact same way I would, but they're still in my capital F fellowship. You don't have to do, right. you don't have to do right. this the exact same way that I do. And for me to still, it's like, um, we had a different person in our, uh, in the Wednesday night international bid book study, black rhinos, uh, who said another thing that fucking blew my mind, Brought even though I've read, <laughs> I've read it a million <laughs> times, but dude, it's so fucking good. I wrote this down. Um, it's in the book, but it's in, it's in chapter two. Uh, it says most of us sense the real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes, which make us useful to others. Uh, you know, Roger Q who doesn't think that you need, that you can just hire a, you can pay a homeless guy $5 and read your, your fourth step to them. And that qualifies as t- doing your fifth step. That's not what I would do. But if, uh, Roger is, uh, showing up at the treatment center then fuck yeah he's one of us right i mean right either i don't have i have to you know to each their own i guess yeah that's mm-hmm. <laughs> as a person who like grew up from like a toddler age watching like bill hicks and george carlin and stuff coming across as like super tolerant of other people's views and perspectives when that's like my my sense of humor from birth <laughs> it's tough it's like <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of a short shortfall of mine, you know, but um that's just the kind of humor I like. What comes to mind, Fred, when you were talking, and I feel like Fred Ted, maybe I should be Jed for this episode. <laughs> um Please clap. actually can I just say real quick that there was a moment while we were recording that I looked up and actually forgot your name isn't John. <laughs> you no, know, like, it's really it weird like, oh, yeah. how locked in with Fred you are for me right now. Or now, just now in general, like, like right last week at the meeting, 
Black Rhinos International Bid Book Study. Brought to you by Arby's. When we were talking about more about alcoholism and everybody kept talking about Fred's story, like I just kept looking at you in the thing <laughs> and having to be like, that's that's not Fred. It's not him. Um, but this thing where there's some people digging the ditch and then there's some people like <laughs> up on the street uh, in raincoats while it's pouring rain critiquing how the other people are digging the ditch you know not doing anything it's like uh aa is like a really poorly run office where all of the grunts are slamming out 99.9 percent of the work and then every once in a while the manager's like uh i know every single thing i'm doing is making your job harder but uh I called Cottage Inn and we're having a pizza party. <laughs> and it's like, well, John's on a diet and Fred's lactose intolerant. Ted can't have gluten. I'll but, eat all the pizza. But uh, <laughs> thanks for the pizza, I guess. You know what I mean? It's, so it's like, it's kind of like, you know, you, you, you want a pat on the back for, for doing something, which is appreciated maybe more by some than others. And certainly your contributions are respected and you're cared for as a human, but ultimately you're not really helping very much. Mm -hmm. Not in the way that's relevant here, you know? The manager's like, and by the way, we've decided to revise the employee handbook. Uh, <laughs> I will be in charge of rewriting it. <laughs> you, you, you will all follow this book now that I've changed. Circular Changes Rehabilitation Center. Alumni Testimonials. I think its whole stucco adobe aesthetic isn't technically cultural appropriation because the facility is in the middle of Arizona, but it still felt kind of weird. Circular Changes. Basically a $40,000 copy of Holly Whitaker's book and a prescription to Depakote. Okay. Uh, are we, are we calling this like a lightning round or are we just like continuing this episode? Uh, let's call this an abridged. Whoa. <laughs> Holy God. <laughs> let's call this an abridged bonus situation. Okay. Abridged bonus situation. Got it. Um, okay. Ted. I'm going to start. I got two questions. And then if John, if John wants to jump in with any questions too. So um, I'm going to start you off with the AA question. We'll close with the not AA question. Okay. Yeah. AA question. You ready? Yeah. Is AA completely fucked? <laughs> I've heard, I've heard people ask this question recently. I think the answer is probably no, even though it does feel that way. Because if you think about, for like 20 years, the founder of the program was walking around trying to fuck 
20 year olds, even though he was married. <laughs> and we got through that, right? I mean, we got through the 80s. Uh, we are going to survive the treatment center thing. Do I think that it will contract? Do I think that the fifth edition will be the first time ever where there will be less meetings and less recover people? Yeah, 100%. But mm. um, that's probably good. I mean, I think in the long haul, if they got through the quote-unquote flying blind period, we'll get through this shit, I think. I only ask that question now because um, no matter how many times I ask it, John always laughs. laughs. So I just like hearing him laugh. That's okay. Funny. Hey, let me do one. Yeah, go ahead. Do you want a top three or do you want a fuck, Mary kill? Top three. Please rank your top three intoxicants. Mm. Oh, man. I mean, it's got to be... Uh, King Cobra. Yeah. Well, any any beer of any kind, but the, the best beer in the whole entire world is uh, Elvis Juice, which is, uh, uh, is brewed in Columbus. Yeah, Brewdog, Columbus, Ohio. Elvis well, Juice. Brewdog is actually a Scottish company. Is it? It is. They've just like set roots in Columbus for some reason. But I only That's, know that because that Scotch ale is really good. My wife loves Elvis juice. There's always Elvis juice in our Listen, fridge. Listen, folks at home, if you're going to relapse, <laughs> relapse on Elvis juice. No, I you by Arby's. If you're going to if you're going re- to relapse, relapse on meth. Because <laughs> right. we'll see you back real quick. Is what I mean. You know. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, after after beer, I don't know. I mean, like for me, it's like beer is like really 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 high up and then the next thing is so low it's like if i would trade you know there's not a there's not anything i would rather have but i guess it would be uh amphetamines of any kind uh i preferably uh raylan and adderall uh would be great and then uh i guess weed but weed is like um I love like a love hate. There are like three experiences. No, you know what it is? It's enough, but I'm sorry. Beer, acid, amphetamines, hundo P. I had a, nice. a, my first spiritual experience ever was on acid. Um, with, if I, if I smoke, if I ingest pot in any way, there were three times maybe in my life where I had a really awesome time. And then there were, <laughs> 157,000 <laughs> times right. where I thought that I was going to be the first person ever to OD on pot. Um, I hated it, but I was chasing, talk about, you know, that's my alcoholism, right guys? I was just chasing that, <laughs> chasing that weed dragon for like five years. It's so good to hear people having that same experience. I with know. I, I love the thought that like we all bond over that. I feel like everyone I've met in AA says the same shit. I remember having a sponsee who was like heroin and meth intravenous addict for years. And, and me and him, picked up some newcomers at this meeting and we were like dropping them at their halfway house or whatever. And weed came up and he was like, Oh, weed's the strongest drug. <laughs> he was just like, it. I, there's, there's no way. Like I can't, I can't fuck with weed. I just can't fuck with it. I tried it for a decade. I can't fuck with weed. I, I had a sponsee who did his fifth step high on pot. No, no. And can you imagine that? No, I can't. Nope. I would literally maybe kill myself. It would be like having my skin peeled off or something. It's like, you might as well just cut my eyelids off. (laughs) If we enjoyed weed, if we enjoyed weed, we'd probably be high on weed right now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like, 
maybe that's like a thing in alcoholics like our chemical balance is fucked by the like the thc and our and the way our brains work just doesn't doesn't mesh you know it's like because everybody i know is like man i tried i tried forever hard as the thing is like i got like i i tried so hard that at one point you would have thought i was like into it yeah every day multiple times a day like oh for sure like i i knew a lot about it yeah I was doing all the what, the ear melting the earwax on top of the bowl before you, re- you know what I mean? Like yeah, all yeah. that shit. Oh, all like, of it. Yeah. The high uh, times centerfolds on my wall. Hated every minute of it. <laughs> Is every decision that I've ever made wrong? <laughs> Do you two hate me? Oh, God. Um, okay. No, my I have favorite a question. was like, my favorite was like, am I? Am, am I talking loud right now? Am I talking? Loud? <laughs> and then your friends would be like, "Dude, what, what what's wrong with you, dude? Just be normal." And I'd be like, "Am I, am I talking loud?" And then like, "Wait, five, am I not being normal?" Yeah, exactly. And then like thirty five <laughs> seconds later, I'd be like, "That kid over there is really ugly, like super loud." <laughs> Did I just say something? <laughs> <laughs> And even with that knowledge, like even with the knowledge that you guys are on that same wavelength, that we would all, if we all smoked pot right now, we'd all be in exactly that same place <laughs> of like, wait, do they hate me? Am I Dude, talking? This is a perfect opportunity. I don't know when else I would ever share this in my life. Uh, but every time I have a dream or I drink, it's like I drink a beer and then after I've had the beer, I go, oh shit, I just drank a fucking beer. I just, yep. what do I, what do I do? What do I do now? I drank a beer. <laughs> it's like, there's never, ever one where I'm like premeditated drinking a beer. Like it's just, right. it's like, I'm just drinking a beer and then I go, oh, oh wait, was that beer that I just drank the whole thing of? Um, but I, I, this is, this is almost embarrassing, but I, I legitimately woke up fucking terrified like i used to have night terrors and this was kind of similar to that where i would uh when i was drinking i would wake up and just be like "Ah, ah," you know cobras you know just like freaking out (laughs) um and you know my wife has to be like you're okay you're okay or when she was tired of my shit just like yeah you know whatever roll over (laughs) pillow over her head um i woke up this a few weeks ago kind of doing that where like you realize you're awake and then you go "Ah!" like you're upset (laughs) by the dream you just had and the dream i had just had was in the dream i had woken up and i had been you know living life for a couple hours and i realized in the middle of my morning that i hadn't done my morning 11 step and I hadn't done my night nightly review the night before. That was my nightmare. What kind of lame wad am I? <laughs> Pathetic. So lame. How dare you? <laughs> so lame. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I've head. never woken up from uh, a terror of no step work. <laughs> It's so, it's such a, it's such like a teacher. We were supposed to have a quiz today. <laughs> I was resentful yesterday and I never did a 10 step. Yeah. Um, uh, weren't you supposed to pick up our homework today, teacher? 
<laughs> Everyone else is like, hey, shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you fucking Does dreamer. he seem like he's talking too loud? Does everybody hate that guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's awesome. Okay, so what's your um, what's your final question okay. for sitting only because Ted C. only because we haven't gotten to this um, part of the episode yet. Ted, uh, does Dayton Pizza exist? And if so, why should I give a fuck? <laughs> it's a great question, Fred. I'm glad you asked it. Uh, Thank you. So, yes, Dayton Pizza exists. There are two um, two establishments that were founded in Dayton of some rapport. Um, you can order them. They will mail them to you internationally. So, for our friends uh, from the Black Rhinos International Bid Book Study Wednesday nights. Sponsored by Arby's. Uh, sponsored by Arby's. You can order these online. One is Marion's Pizza, and the other is Cassano's Pizza. And the virtue of them, they're different. They have different benefits but they're both squares they're both little tiny squares and i know they have hound hound wait no not hound dogs they don't have square pizza but um square you know what i'm talking about it's not uh mm-hmm. it's not circularly it's not cut like into triangles they're squares and um Cassano's is the saltiest pizza you've ever had and marion's is the sweetest pizza that you've ever had where the <laughs> sauce is like really 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 sweet if you're tell if you're trying to sell me on this <laughs> not it's, great. Is it, first first is it a off, thicker you lost or me when the crust? pizza was Thin not crust. rhomboid shaped. That's where you lost me. Right. Right. It's a uh, octagonal. Uh, so it's not like a Detroit style, like a pan crust. It's like a no, thin, it's thin crust. crust. Yeah, that's a but good it's point. Square. I mention that. No, I'm just curious. Yeah, um, it. it's almost like you. Neither of you are from Ohio, like Skyline. How did the two of you feel about Skyline? <laughs> Chili. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. I've lived here for over three years now, and I've somehow avoided it. Wow. Okay. So People, I'm going to yeah. tell you another thing. I just, my wife doesn't like. My wife really can't eat it. She has like a condition that doesn't allow her to eat certain things. Right. She, because she can't eat it, I'm not going to yeah. eat it. And it also the only time I would ever eat it is like with a client, and that's a middle of the day thing. And that seems like an awful fucking idea. Yeah. So I get Skyline <laughs> for lunch regularly. Uh, okay. It's one of those situations where, in my You're heart of hearts. Though. Yeah, it's yeah. like a gut bomb. It just looks like that's true. Uh, it's just almost like a um, Stockholm syndrome sort of a thing. <laughs> that like, okay, I acknowledge that objectively speaking, this is not a good food, right? <laughs> I get that, but I am from here, right? This right. is this is my place, and so I will. I like it. I like Skyline. I like the sweet pizza. I like the really salty pizza. I like that they're squares. All right, it's just. That's how it is. Well, I'm going to be traveling near you more often now, so uh, I expect a, a, a lunch with you. Marion's Pizza is uh, 100 yards that way. We can stumble there. Perfect. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Track him down. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I thought about himself. it. Uh, I have a question for the two of you, if that's Ooh. okay. We talked earlier about how we've all made mistakes uh, sponsoring people, and I would love to hear an example of a time that the two of you were like, "Oh man, I, yeah, I fucked that up." Mm. The first one that comes to mind for me immediately, <laughs> it's like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> here's several." <laughs> I'm like, "There's too many to even categorize." <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why I'm just like, I just grab one because it's like, I mean. 
I I think some of the stuff that um, I qualify as like uh, you know poor poorly like doing the job poorly or whatever um, comes from like shit that I heard somebody else talking about doing or something mm. that someone suggested to me that a hundred percent is like not in the book, but I was just like, well, yeah, that seems kind of helpful. And then I get right. into that with someone. And then I realize in the actual, I realized that in the lead up to it, it was prayerful and it was thoughtful and it was considerate and it was, there was right motives behind it, but in the actual execution of it, the actions of it, it is self-help nonsense you know it's like therapy shit that i'm not fucking qualified to be doing um and so that's the kind of stuff that kind of comes to mind and there hasn't been a whole lot of that shit but really the one that i immediately thought of was where it's kind of like the opposite of that where you hear advice and guidance and whatever on you know being a fucking AA tough guy and hey you don't like it mm. hit the fucking road kick rocks see you later <laughs> etc a bunch of other aphorisms whatever um, <laughs> where I I was sponsoring this dude he was uh, he seemed quite willing right from the jump um, I'll just throw out there were a couple red flags. Um, <laughs> Met him at a, at a certain Friday night newcomer meeting. Mm, big red flag. <laughs> Miss that place. <laughs> um, I do Not too. sponsored by I Arby's. Would, I would love to go to that place any given Friday. Um, it's not happening anymore. Uh, oh, it's over? Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, keep down. So yeah, I, you can't spit. You I, can't keep dip spitting on the floor and expect think, to keep your spot at the church. Well, I should have known something because when we were trying to start our group in that uh, town, I called that church and the lady goes, you want to start another meeting here? <laughs> I swear to God, she said that to me. Okay, so anyway. It already um, takes us two days to clean up after the one we have. Exactly. S smells like blue raspberry vape in here. Yeah. We can't get the vape out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, <laughs> she was like, you're ruining our carpet, dragging your slides all around. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so, they, um, the guy he showed up to this meeting and it was his first ever. Oh, nice. It was his first ever, uh, you know, outside meeting outside of treatment. He had never been to AA and stuff. And was like, cool. The red flag that I'm thinking of was he had this like reusable grocery bag that was entirely filled with recovery <laughs> books. It was like <laughs> recovery books. I've never heard of, you know, it was like, mm -hmm. so, uh, so, you know, right off the bat, I'm like, you know, the, the judgmental sponsor kind of brain. I'm like, okay, this guy's got some ideas, you know? Um, but then, like I said, he seemed quite willing. We did the work and I feel like maybe this falls into that category of what I was talking about earlier, where it's like you intellectually acknowledge that you have these symptoms, but I don't know that you seem like a person who's been helped to diagnose themselves with a fatal thing that you need to overcome. Um, because once we get to amends, he just ghosts me, you know? Um, and to me, I think maybe part of it was letting the frustration of someone who had still to this day, the easiest amends list I've ever seen, um, that I was only, I was only convinced that this was his real amends list after he ghosted me because it told me 
that he was terrified to approach these amends. Yeah. We, we met up, we prayed, we discussed, you know, possibilities for each and every one of these things. And this was shit he could have done all of it in 48 hours, done, completely done. But the second red flag was kind of waffling and being like, well, yeah, I, you think I could just like write a letter to a dead person? You know, that kind of thing. And it's like, okay, well, you could do that. Before you do that, it might be more use to you recovery-wise to just blast through these things in like 36 hours real quick. Um, and then I didn't hear from him for like a week and a half, checked back in with him, and he, and he texted me back. He was like, actually, no, uh, you know, I can't go tonight. Um, I, uh, I'm going to, we are going to go to a meeting or meet up. We were going to meet up for step work or some shit. I don't know. Um, I can't go tonight. My friend's really struggling and I'm going to take her to her first Al-Anon meeting ever. And like, and I was just like, okay, dude, it's time for uh, the Texas tough guy to come out. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, all right, great. Uh, well let me know when you're interested in your recovery. You know, and I've just mm-hmm. like pulled like a sick, wicked burn, you know, tough guy sponsorship move on him. Snarky. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, sick, he, wicked burn. Like, and, he, and he never <laughs> got back to me ever. And I tried to text him right. once again, like a week later, never got back to me. And I don't know what happened with that guy, but I do know what happened with me was that I felt like that was a disingenuous um, kind of like abuse of the power dynamic for me and I felt mm-hmm. like that was a that was a misstep for me because yep. that's not my style that's not my vibe and that's not a loving thing to do like I feel like since then when I've had instances like that the loving thing to do has been to very lovingly point out um that this person's not doing the steps and that I'll be here when they're interested in doing them you know so that's yeah. that's the one that immediately comes to my mind and I realized that was a 17 hour story I apologize for that that's, That's good. good. Um, I love that. Uh, well, I was going to say that every tough guy that John does is always from the 1950s. You know, it's like <laughs> kick rocks. Like nobody said kick rocks Scram. in 40 years. <laughs> but then but then during the same story, he did his Texas tough guy. So apparently that's not awesome. He's got he's got multiple tough guys. Yeah. <laughs> Just he's um, a tough guy. He is. Such it's, a tough it, guy. Well, haven't you read my book, the two the two tough guys within? <laughs> you, have two you have two wolves. You have two wolves. The Hazelden pamphlet. You have two wolves. One of them's I a really 1940s know. gangster. The other one's a Texas tough guy. <laughs> I like the. I, I want to know what books he had. He's like real <laughs> deep cuts. I mean, one of them was definitely the twelve and twelve. Oh, okay. And Drop the Rock, I'm sure, was in there. Probably living sober. Um, it was about recovering from uh, the 12 steps with the godless 12 steps. <laughs> this will help. Uh, so, I don't have like a very specific, because it all kind of runs together, but I would say I agree with John. Like The times that I think about when I've like hijacked a, a, a sponsor meeting, you know, where like we've gotten, we're reading something or we're discussing a certain topic. And like, then I just pontificate on it for fucking 30 minutes. Like, Mm -hmm. and I just am like, Oh, I'm really bringing some great stuff right now. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) but we're not doing the action like involved. Like we're just like talking about shit. Like, like, right. 
Right. And they're detoxing um, across from you. Like they're literally sweating. <laughs> I can't understand what you're saying. Oh my God. Yeah. Like they have no context to like put with what we're talking about, you know, um, you know, like or emotional uh, sobriety. Right. <laughs> right. When I try to be, uh, when I try to not be the sponsor that I am, right. You know, like what, what John was saying, like, when I find myself trying to be the tough guy or going the other way, cause I'm also not the, like, I'm not your buddy sponsor either. Yeah. You know, and I have sponsees who have be, who have kind of even grown out of the relationship. They're not even my sponsees anymore. You know, now we're just friends. And yeah. a lot of times they go off and find somebody else to, to, um, to work with or whatever. Cause our relationship just shifts over time, you know, but those are a few. Um, but I can definitely think of a few times when I gave some advice that was, <laughs> like not AA, right <laughs> just definitely meddling in their f- lives without any you know real um but i don't think it ever came from a place of like trying to harm anyone yeah it was just like misguided you know yeah. and uh and then i look back and i feel feel bad about it but for the most part it's like comes down to like just you know not what you said earlier ted it's like i'm showing up Fred is showing up mm-hmm. and I'm not God, I'm not showing up as a conduit for God. I'm just showing up as a conduit for my own ideas. On OP. For sure. So Well, that was great. It's awesome. I think we were just what we were discussing when you were in the little girls' room is that anytime we're in need of a <laughs> wanting to do it. He has to walk to get we'll, he has we'll, to walk to the bathroom at that pizza place. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, uh, I'm using Carasano's Wi-Fi and the bathroom. <laughs> I don't remember what it was called. That's close. <laughs> that was close. It was better. I forgot completely the name of it, so that was pretty good. Their Wi-Fi password is Pizza One. <laughs> Salty Pizza. <laughs> Salty One, Two, Three. <laughs> Come to Dayton. <laughs> I feel like this is awesome. This is super. Two good. hours, pretty good. I really appreciate. No, that's great. You bringing a question to the table at the end there. That was that was dope. And um, I thought about when I was peeing. That is the golden hour. Aren't you glad I went? <laughs> glad I went. Now we're really just going after the low hanging fruit. Yeah, for sure. Oh my god, that's descriptive. Okay, so all right, thanks, Ted. Okay, appreciate thanks, you coming. Ted. Oh, are we still to have recording? It's great. Oh my god, yeah. it's great to be here. Thank you. (laughs) This has been a podcast greater than yourself. A podcast greater than yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.